0: Welcome to The Heartbeat. I'm super excited that you're here. I'm excited for our guest today, and I'm excited for a lot of things, really. First off, our guest is Alexandra Solomon. She's somebody that I very highly respect and look up to in the relationship space. She's a relationship expert. She's a therapist. She's a teacher. And she's just a dope soul. And we had an amazing conversation on this episode about sex about attachment styles. She shared stuff from her marriage that she's never shared before. And I just look up to her so much. And I, I followed her for quite some time years. And never did I imagine that I'd be having a conversation with her, but we had quite the conversation. It's just two love experts talking about love and you get to listen in. <laughs> and that is actually the new essence that I want to have for this Show this podcast. In case you haven't noticed, things are different around here, <laughs> around these parts. I'm a different person, and I'm rebranding uh, everything: my website, my social media presence, uh, just to reflect that newness. You know, I, I want this show to be about just the capture the real, raw essence of the guests, and just to have some dope conversation with dope people wanted to want to, that's what I want it to be about and it was you know daily 5 minute episodes and while we did over 300 episodes i think it's what the old me needed to get started because it was the first thing i created as the heart guy when i first got started um but things have changed and so i'm excited to dive deeper with the guests i'm excited to dive deeper with you guys um and just really changing up a lot and i just want to say thank you to the listeners who have stuck around Um, I listen to the old me sometimes and I cringe That's why I'm redoing the the podcast intro Um, And I just want to say thank you for seeing my light And thank you for allowing me to be me And holding space in that And sticking around uh, on this journey of me following my heart And it can be messy It can be confusing at times, especially for me But you guys stuck around And I, I just really appreciate it We're going to continue on together with The Heartbeat and it's going to get a lot more potent, a lot more juicy, and a lot more raw. And that's what I'm excited about. So without further ado, this is our guest, Alexandra Solomon. You're listening to The Heartbeat. So what's on your heart to talk about?
1: Well, this is um, the, the biggest thing right now is launching my second book out into the world. That's been really um, mm. well. Just it's been it's been really everything, right? I visited, <laughs> yeah, I <can laughs> visited all of the feels. Yeah,
0: yeah. So tell me a little bit about it. It's called Taking Sexy Back, right?
1: Hmm. Yep. So I've been, um, you know, a couples therapist and a relationship educator for. Uh I don't know a couple of decades i mean I've been at this work for a long time mm-hmm. and um and and I've always been really passionate about taking you know academic work and what therapists do in their offices and translating that um into you know skills and tools and paradigms that all of us can use for our intimate you know to bring into our intimate relationships, really all of our relationships but my mm-hmm my DM is intimate relationships. And specifically, what I love to talk about is self, sort of how mm-hmm. our relationship with ourselves um just shapes how we show up. Because I think especially when it comes to intimate partnership, it's really easy to focus on the other guy. I've been mm-hmm. married to my husband for 21 years and you know i could give you a list of you know all of his challenging qualities and all of the, <laughs> you know but it's mm-hmm. it is more courageous to to focus on okay what is that challenging aspect of him stirring in me triggering in me mm-hmm. reminding me of, of my past so mm-hmm. that's really where i that's my happy place helping people do that work. And we did it in loving bravely was a bit of a broad introduction to this idea of relational Mm self-awareness. But now in taking sexy back, we really are honing in on this like powerful, powerful classroom, which is sexuality. And um, I think in our culture, we just, we kind of talk about it as like a behavior, a thing you do, or a thing you don't do, or a thing that's taboo to do. Um, When really it's like this really fascinating arena where, where the most profound questions of what it means to be alive and what it means to be in relation are asked. And, mm-hmm. um, and I'm really passionate about helping people be able to talk about sex in just in ways that can hold more nuance and subtlety than mm-hmm. we, I think are used to.
0: Definitely that there. Yeah. There's a lot there. I want to backtrack really quick um, yeah. how you mentioned you know, you could list all the these negative traits about your husband and that are challenging, but then you're having that reflection of, oh, well, what is this triggering in me? And you're using that to like really go deep within yourself. I would ask, and just playing, I guess, devil's advocate in a way, like, how how can that be um become toxic, I guess, if it's like, okay, well, I'm with somebody that is pushing all these buttons and we're in a, they're in a toxic relationship, but then Mm -hmm. they're seeing all the good in that person. And that's why they're staying in the relationship for way too long. You know what I mean? Um, how, what, where then is the line? Because that is like the trait that you need to have. Um, but it can go to an unhealthy level. I feel
1: I agree. Absolutely. And I, and I feel like there always needs to be that caveat, which you just said, which is mm-hmm. that there in, in order to practice relational self awareness, in order to be willing to hold up that mirror and say, okay, I'm going to take a deep breath and look at what's stirring in me. We really need to be partnered with somebody who, who is able to At least approximate a similar level of willingness to self-reflect. Yeah. Um, it's really, really hard. You know, I, I think that I think it's beautiful. The ways in which love bridges all kinds of differences, differences in personality, differences in cultural background, differences in experience. But that's a really challenging, um, difference to bridge is a partner who is willing to self-reflect paired with somebody who is unwilling or unable to, um, look within who feels like feelings are bullshit, who feels like you just put your past in the box and you keep Mm -hmm. on moving, who thinks that therapy is, uh, you know, whatever lame or so I, so I think that you're right is that that's, that is a pattern of toxicity is if I'm willing to, inquire and wonder about like which of my wounds just got triggered inadvertently by you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're willing to let me do that and just be like, sweet, go for it. Like, let's figure out how mm-hmm. this is all about your inadequacies. That is, that's going to become very toxic very quickly. If mm-hmm. I'm going to be brave enough to say, okay, I'm really stirred right now. What I, what I want is for you to kind of hold that space mm-hmm. with me. Just stay with me, stay near me as we unpack this without getting defensive, without shaming me, because I'm already probably feeling kind of crappy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when the tables are turned, I want to be able to offer that to you. Right. Mm-hmm. Rather than justifying why I said that thing, or rather than rolling my eyes and saying, it's not a big deal. I want to be able to kind of hold some space for you to check in with yourself and be like, okay, why, why would I hear you as, you know, So critical right now. This happened actually in my marriage last week. If you want to, if you want an example, (laughs) like boots on the ground. Yeah. So I walked into Barnes and Noble. I haven't I haven't shared the story yet. You're getting you're (laughs) fresh
0: off the press. Let's do it.
1: That's right. So I walked. I walked into bar. I went to the gym last Saturday, and then Mm -hmm. I walked into Barnes and Noble, and my book was sitting right there on the front table next to Tony Morrison's book. I just like it was just a beautiful moment. I'm jumping up and down in Barnes and Noble, you know, <laughs> nine a.m. on Saturday morning. And I call the, you know, call the work the employee over. I'm like, look, this is my book. And then I got home and I and I told maybe I sent my husband a picture. Mm-hmm. And then I got home and he was like, I I I don't understand. Like, did you did you like you? <laughs> you walked in and it was there or like you had them move it to the front table or like they moved it to the front (laughs) table because you're a local author. And he was literally just trying to get his head around it. Like it was, you know, he was just taking it in. Mm -hmm. But I think because of the tremendous vulnerability of putting your work out into the world, Mm -hmm. I heard him as undermining or doubting me or somehow not like not being able to, like it what sort of was triggering my own, whatever, insecurity, imposter mm-hmm. syndrome, like challenge of kind of stepping into this new arena, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, And so that was, we had to like slow it way down and kind of talk through what was coming up for me and, you know, him clarifying like that. just really, he was just deeply wanting to understand what had happened, you know? So that mm-hmm. was one of those, that was one of those moments for me of, remembering that I, it'd be easy just to be like, you know, why do you, why can't you just be happy for me you know, or somehow you like take mm-hmm. it to some place where it's, but it, and I had to hold this space of like understanding that if, that I'm of course a bit, you know, rough around the edges because this is really a new experience to have this book out in the world and have it be received the way it's being received. And, um, and he, you know, we need to t- we need to have a bit of a redo around that.
0: Yeah. So I just want to highlight like the level of self awareness that I think both of you guys have. Like, th- like you were saying, you have to have that matched level in a way so that you can't even have those conversations.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And and you were saying like how you, know, you needed to slow down and just say, hey, this is what I'm experiencing, and uh-huh. for you to get to the awareness that that's what he was trying to just wrap his head around it, but it triggered something in you where, like how do people get to that spot in terms of self-awareness?
1: Um, I think first is the humility of the humility and self-compassion it takes to just accept that Rome, that love is going to stir us. Mm Mm-hmm so in part it's like shattering that romanticized idea that we grow up with that mm-hmm. you know if this is the quote unquote right person if this is the soulmate <laughs> if this is the one yeah. then I won't be misunderstood yeah. and I won't feel disappointed and you will never ever step on my wounds because you understand my wounds <laughs> you know down to the DNA of my wound and so of course you would never step on my wound you know mm-hmm. so I think there's first like this sort of the, the shattering of that notion, which, which is a shattering. It's a grief because I think it is, um, I think we, we do, we do, you know, grow up and go into relationships wanting ease and flow and simplicity. So that's, that's mm-hmm. a really important first step. And then it is just the ongoing work of making those connections between past and present. So mm-hmm. understanding, um, being willing to look at our family system, which can sometimes be, a challenge in and of itself, right? Cause it can feel disloyal to really question our family system or our context. Cause yep. so I think that for most of us, our families do the best they can. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of us come out of our family systems with some wounds and some pain points that are going to get um, activated when we fall in love. Right. Um, and in your therapy, obviously it's helpful. Um mm-hmm.
0: You know, that's, that is more time repetition. Mm -hmm.
1: And then some of it is just, you know, getting in the ring. Like, I think there's, I think another sort of romanticized idea we have is that we're going to fix ourselves and then we're going to fall in love. (sighs) And certainly like some work on the front end is helpful, but then there's some stuff that we can't work on until it's triggered and stirred in the context of a relationship.
0: Right. Yeah. I was actually talking with somebody today about how. I think a lot of people think that you get to this healed space and then it's like, I'm never getting triggered. Um, like, but that's not even a reality. I feel right. Like there's always going to be something that triggers you and then you get to just lead in and that's where you get to sharpen your skills or go deeper and heal.
1: I love that. Right. So it doesn't have to be like the eye roll. Here we go again. It can be like the rubbing of the hands together like okay here we go with time. like <laughs> this is the yeah. moment you know like what are we going how are we going to meet this moment you know mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. and i think that's
1: ex- going different.
0: into it like yeah going into it like with excitement and going oh okay cool what's here and getting curious <laughs> about it versus like just enraged that this is happening and you're all caught up in the story or the drift of the old trauma that's right and the belief mm-hmm. of it
1: Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. And sometimes sometimes it is. I mean, this I think is the power and the beauty of couples therapy is Mm um you know, I can have I have a couple right now, they are beautifully aware of how each of them, you know, re wounds the other and how these and how each of their individual wounds fit together in these interlocking ways. And they're doing really beautiful work around it. But I think what we're shedding now is the idea that if we understand it we won't ever get triggered again versus mm. the more we understand it, the more we can notice when we're slipping into it, the more, at least one of us can keep our nose above the waterline enough to say like, let's pause, let's shift, let's do this differently. So that's what happens is we but we but get more nuance around not going so deep and dark mm-hmm. or not going there for as long. Um, But I don't think that it ever, I fully anticipate that. My husband and I will be (laughs) triggering each other when we're well into our 80s, but just make have a bit more sense of humor about it, you know, and the ability to find our way
0: back sooner. That's awesome. And with that, I did have a question about your relationship, Um, because you've been married for 20 years, and it seems like you guys are, just from what little I know, in an amazing space. Like, I'm sure you've probably been asked this question, but like, what's the secret? Like how? <laughs> um, what would you say to people who are looking for that? Because I know a lot of people are looking for examples of like lasting love, and people either give up on love, or um, you know, any anything from anything of that nature, and they're looking for examples. And so it's like, well, my parents are fucked up, and all my friends don't have the right relationship. so ah, it's not real. And I've just seen the opposite. But I guess in for your example of like your relationship with your husband you know what would you what advice would you give people for just that in general of like keeping the faith alive in love and then how have you guys made it work
1: mhm yep yeah i um i definitely understand the cynicism that can set in um mm-hmm. about you know about love and the in the possibilities for love and i i think in part what helps is that i never hold Todd and I out there as like a perfect couple in any way. Right. I, I'm um, I've always used a lot of like, I've always used our marriage as a teaching tool. So when I teach my Mm -hmm. graduate students or my undergraduate students, I, you know, often am using examples from um, marriage in in my, in my books as well. Um, And so I think there is a way that like the work I do, the the work I do is helpful. Though My husband's favorite joke though, at like cocktail parties, (laughs) One's like, oh boy, what's it like to be married to a relationship expert? You know, <laughs> in baseball, the best um, hitting coaches were themselves the the worst batters. <laughs> mm. <laughs>
0: so,
1: um, there definitely is like the talking the talk and the walking the walk. Yeah. But I think that's it is that we give each other a lot of space to um, to screw up and repair. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that is really we have a really deep friendship um, mm. that really predated our romantic relationship but didn't have to but that was just our love story that we were friends um in college yeah. before we started dating and so there's that I think that foundation has always been really helpful um and then I think that I think that there's a lot of um admiration like I, I feel yeah. uh admired by him and I admire him and that's you know the research backs that up that that admiration system that kind of a, the arrow that goes in both directions of really admiring what who the other person is like as a person um that buffers you know it buffers the irritation of raising teenagers or figuring out schedules or you mm-hmm. know the barking dog or whatever it is like that kind of um buffers it and keeps like keeps some you know quote unquote money in the bank you know yeah to- mm-hmm.
0: It's like a, it it's like a golden thread that's connecting like, and holding things together in a way
1: mm-hmm. and just something
0: to return back to. I love that.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So I know that you, um, you mentioned that you talk a little bit about your relationship and you kind of use that as teaching tools and some of your books. Um, so with taking sexy back, I guess, how, how did you come about writing this book? Cause you, like you said, with loving bravely, it was like a general thing. Where did the idea come from Taking Sexy
1: Back? Yeah, this, um, it was so, it's so interesting. You know, this, it's like, I keep saying that um, it's like a woman who's had multiple, a person who's had multiple pregnancies, you know, like no two pregnancies are (laughs) alike. And that really is what this is like. So I feel like I chose to write Loving Bravely and I feel like Taking Sexy Back chose me to write it. Like it was Mm. basically... It became more annoying to resist the urge to write this book than it was (laughs) to just open up my laptop and start working on a table of contents. I mean, there's a way in which I knew after writing uh, Loving Bravely that I had more I wanted to unpack around sex. I I sort of knew Mm. that, but I, I had no timeline, I had no vision. And then a number of things came together, not the least of which is, uh, the, the birth of the Me Too movement. You know, this, the mm-hmm. hashtag Me Too began back in the early 2000s. Tarana Burke was using that in her work, um, her civil rights and social justice work. But, um, Alyssa Milano, you know, tweeted it in the fall of 2017, and it basically ignited this conversation that, I think a number of forces came together, right? To have our mm-hmm. culture finally be, be willing to kind of pull back the curtain and start talking about this intersection of sex and gender and power. Um, mm-hmm. and so as these stories of trauma and pain are getting brought into our more public conversation, I was really aware that it's, also important then that we work on what do we want to imagine? You know, if we're going to, if we want to create a world where we raise the bar and it's more, you know, I think there's a, we definitely need to support women saying no, right. when And, yeah. and honoring no and believing when no's have been um, disrespected, but that's an incomplete conversation because it also needs to include The yes, like what are the conditions in which women really get to say yes and what blocks our ability to say yes and to feel authorized and entitled to really, really nourishing, pleasure filled, um, wonderful sexual experiences. And Mm -hmm. so that's really where this, where this book is, is that I, it's a journey and that, you know, it's written, it's written towards a female reader, but it's been really beautiful to hear feedback from the men who are reading the book about how a lot of the things we're talking about it. There's a theme, but based on the cultural messages that each sex internalizes, the theme may look different. Um, yeah. and I think also just, you know, none of us, we don't get to, none of us is better until all of us are better. And so for men yeah. really, really like dig into what are the wounds that exist around women's sexuality, what is it like to internalize messages from a very, very early age that you are an object of sexual desire rather than a subject of being sexual when men are mm-hmm. willing to like read that and try to understand it, even if it makes them uncomfortable and even if what they want to say is, but I didn't do that. <laughs> and I love women and I'm so supportive. That's um, really sacred work. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so that's where I'm yeah,
0: I mean, it's about. it's respect, too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Mm hmm.
0: Which that's something that I'm, you know what I mean, excited about doing more of is men's work. But yeah, 100%, I guess that's, it's just showing respect to even understand not just the individual, but what culturally has been uh, conditioned. Yeah. Well, I would say, and yeah.
1: Sorry, I was going to just say that men, men who are willing, yeah. really, men who are willing to really look at the messages they've internalized as men and ways in which that really blocks their, wholeness um that's just so important i celebrate that
0: -hmm. awesome so with with taking sexy back i guess um obviously everybody go check out the book (laughs) but (laughs) um could you give like a a brief overview of what all's covered because it sounds like it's an amazing topic and even just the setup of what you just said was like this is this is definitely sacred work Um, what all do you cover in the book?
1: Well, pretty much all of it. (laughs) Um, I, I mean, basically the idea is that it is, you know, sexy is this word that we use as an adjective. And I think women's relationship with this word sexy can feel rather fraught and it can be something that she sort of poses as a question. Like, do you find me sexy? Am I sexy? and who gets to be sexy, and under what conditions do I get to be sexy, and do I want to be sexy? Hold
0: on, hold on, I, I gotta interrupt you the uh, Super Bowl we gotta talk about that, Okay. there was a lot of the super, the halftime show Yep. there was a lot that came up around that Um with women, like, supporting each other, because it was so sexy, and then other women, like, shaming it what well, mm-hmm. all do you have to say about that?
1: Ooh-hoo. okay, I want to hear your take, too
0: oh, uh, well, I mean I'm all for women's empowerment and women's sex like taking back their sexiness and just fucking owning it like that's hot <laughs> and the fact that women are supporting that that's like the sisterhood like what i saw was the big sisterhood wound showing itself mm-hmm. uh yeah. of you know kind of like a lashing out because of their own insecurities um and again i'm a i'm a man so i'm not in that world but just from observing um. And talking with tons of women about it, and most of my clients are women, uh, women can be pretty savage to each other. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where that really comes from, but it feels like I, I know a lot of women who have kind of transcended that and are supporting each other, and that's really admirable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I saw a lot. I mean, my feed was blown up with people that were like supporting each other and like, fuck yes but then I was hearing about other people like kind of bashing it and I didn't see any of that stuff. Cause I don't just, I don't surround myself with people like that, but yeah. I heard a lot about it. Um, yeah, I thought it was hot and I loved all the support that came from it, yeah. but it did show a wound.
1: You know, what you're, I think what you're saying is so important. This idea of a sisterhood wound because where I just went with that is that like, there are two aspects. So So Mm -hmm. women, right, women turn against each other under patriarchy because there's competition for the resource, which is male attention, male resources, male power. Mm -hmm. So that's one facet of it. The other facet, though, that I'm just, like, getting chills as I connect with is Mm -hmm. turning on each other. And this is what I saw this in my feed, turning on each other because it's like if you – perform your sexuality in that way you make all of us less safe we are all less safe mm. by you showing your sexuality in that way so there's this idea like oh, we have to yeah. cover we have to protect each other in this you know arena where our sexuality is a danger mm. and that kind of goes back to this um the thing we don't the the, the, the message to men and boys is that your sexuality is inherently dangerous. It's inherently predatory. Right. And it is incumbent upon women to live vigilantly in, in protecting themselves from it versus we have this beautiful opportunity to teach boys. Like, yes, like you can feel the coursing of, of erotic desire flowing through Mm. your veins when you watch JLo on a fucking like a pole. (laughs) You can feel that and you can ground it. It does not Mm. need to make you dangerous, right? You can hold that energy and ground it and channel it and boundary it. Um, Mm. and use it for, you know, safely and for good. So it's another way in which like it has to be hand in hand. Um, and we need men to step up and like be doing that work so that women don't Feel like they need to turn on each other to be like tamper you know tamper yeah. yourself down because you put all of us in danger
0: right Ooh, and God. it's it's <laughs> yeah uh for the men there's a lot of stuff out there about um sexual transmutation and and even just um harnessing it like when you have a sex like an urge you don't have to follow it um and that's like taming that side of yourself that is wild and predatorial because i feel like that is a side of Mm -hmm. the male psyche Mm -hmm. um and it's just having that thing on a leash and literally just being like cool we're gonna do this or we're not gonna do this that's that's just again respect beautiful because you 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 want to go that deep with somebody that you're in a relationship with or a partnership with right Mm -hmm. um and that's when you can i guess let that side of you out in in a healthy way Mm -hmm. um because she craves that
1: Mhm mhm
0: danger is a part of the the eroticism that comes with sex and even just partnership mm-hmm. um and then i i love what you said about everything with with the sisterhood of um protection protection and oh you're owning your sexuality i'm not well i got to protect my own mm-hmm. um because now you're turning on all these guys and now i'm not safe mhm 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 that's yeah. it, fascinating way to look at it and i think it's definitely true yeah yeah at the end of the day i feel it comes down to safety like but that's i mean i'm sure you talk about it in your book like it's in being vulnerable and having courage to just be completely open uh and whether that's owning your sexuality or in a sexual encounter like Mm -hmm. that takes risk because you are vulnerable
1: Yep. Yeah, it takes risk, it takes um, relational trust, and mm-hmm. it takes self-compassion. In fact, in one of the chapters, yeah. we create this triangle. I call it the sacred triangle of sex. And that those are the three points. is like risk, trust, and self-compassion, right? Because there, there needs to be a sense of trust between us that if I take a risk to express an aspect of my sexuality, you can mm-hmm. still love me, respect me, honor me, value me. But there also needs to be self-compassion, right? Because if I take a risk, it might all go to hell. It might be a fantasy that I thought was going to be really fun and hot and it really is so awkward and I can't even deal with it. Or it may be whatever. If if I have a penis that I lose my erection, I need to not, I need to know that I can hold myself in warm regard, you know, what? no matter what are, there's this like tolerating the unpredictability with both the Mm -hmm. relational piece of trust and the self piece of compassion
0: mm. that's so true it's an act of self-trust too i feel of mm-hmm. like trusting your intuitions
1: mm-hmm. right right
0: yeah there's a book that's coming to mind um for the men out there listening it's called to be a man um i don't know if you've heard of it no, but no, i no, i highly what's... you haven't um yeah, let me let me get it it's literally right here um it's called To Be a Man, The Guide to True Masculine Power by Robert, Robert Augustus Masters, PhD. And this is basically a book. Um, you know, I, I dove into David Deida's work, mm-hmm. um, way of the superior man. And I feel like this is like a PhD in regards to that. <laughs> like this goes so deep on. Like I literally just opened up the book and this chapter is all about like your dick. And it just talks about like referring to the penis as the dick or your dangling or anything else is like um, disconnecting yourself from your sexuality. Mm. Um, But this covers so much and I I would highly recommend it to the women listening just so that you can have a better understanding for the male psyche and the male's wounds that we are – um, transcending and going through in this period of human history. Um, but it talks a lot about sex and, um, uh, being com- obsessive or compulsive interest and, um, eroticizing wounds and acting out talks about, uh, a lot of different things. But then I would also, there was another one, um, that I, I would feel it would be the, other side of the coin for women it's called uh pussy a
1: reclamation I um, love that book yep. yeah I, yeah endorsement so. for taking sexy back it's really special
0: Ooh, I love that mm. even more of a reason to read your book
1: <laughs> that's right that's right If uh, yes. know likes it you know it's like <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes um so yeah I just I just wanted to throw that out there because in terms of but we're talking a lot about like just sexual wounds as well and cultural stuff. Um, in terms of a guide, I would definitely, I would highly recommend your book. And then also for the men listening, "To Be a Man" um deals a lot with just emotional stuff, but the the second half of the book is all about sexual shame and, and other things. Um, and I have read that book twice through, and I'm on a third time going through it again. So, mm. um, and I love it because it's like a workbook, like you you know do things and there's always stuff to do outside of it so
1: okay i do anyway know, if i just I, popped into my space yes <laughs> I, lo- I love that and i do know um i've heard of of robert's work and um and i'm glad mm-hmm. you're i'm glad you're referencing it and i i love um i love work that kind of like widens out the lens and like helps us get in touch with these things that are really like ancient and old you know there's something about mm-hmm. we, we live in this time of like Digital technology and everything is so fast paced, like those things that kind of connect Mm -hmm. us back to things that are original, sacred, ancient. You know, there's they're grounding at a time when I think that we all struggle with being grounded and connected to source. So that's Mm -hmm. important.
0: I think sex is one of those things, or it can be.
1: That's right. It can be. You're right. We were talking, I, I last night I did a book event at our local feminist bookstore and, um, it was with, uh, another, an author named Gigi Engel, who's a sexuality writer. And she just came out with her first book. And our, we, we were talking about the role of pleasure during this time of political polarization and a lot of, you know, Ooh, yeah. fear about what's happening to, um, to the United States and our democracy and how pleasure becomes this like, um, form of self-care, you know, that's like, um, some, a reminder of our um, sovereignty, you know, and like entitlement to our bodies and to feeling good in the moment, even like, and that kind of like fills us up. Then to do the hard stuff of you know activism and that kind of work.
0: Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, and it it is important as well. I love that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So. What I kind of I'm I'm trying to phrase this question, <laughs> but um, I guess what I'm what I'm basically asking is what got you started in in doing this work and becoming a, a relationship
1: counselor? Yeah, I well, the thing I know for sure is that uh, the family that I grew up in um i felt really small i felt really small and yeah. unable to um do much for grown ups that i loved deeply um but who i watched you know um being in a lot of pain and yeah. so i think that's which is a pretty common storyline for therapists <laughs> and you know people in this work i think there's something that is a full circle um yeah. aspect of it but i i initially thought that i wanted to be a um a physician, a pediatrician. And then I took a gender studies class in college. And it really like busted me open around relationships and power and culture. And so then psychology made more sense. Um And then psychology mm. kind of was was tapping me into this like idea of being being helpful and being of service. And then I think for a long time, I thought that I couldn't study relationships. Somehow it would be like on my notion of what it meant to be a feminist like that was a piece of my identity you know when I was in college that was really important to me but I had a really narrow notion of what it meant to be a feminist like I thought I had to be working only on things like sexual assault and domestic violence and to to work on love and romance and intimate partnership somehow you know it was like girly or like with all these stories I had in my yeah. about like who these people are that like talk about marriage and love <laughs> so it was Um, so I had to kind of like heal, like, you know, figure out how to hold on to both of those truths at the same time when it, because in fact, the study of marriage is the study of power and gender and culture Mm -hmm. and, um, and how, you know, our messages that we internalize, like keep us from being able to show up really fully. So that's Mm -hmm. a long way of saying that I love it. I love, and I, and I keep these three aspects of my work. Like I, I am a therapist. Um, I do Mm -hmm. still, I do teach. And then I love all this like writing and these conversations I get to have like the one we're having now. And I think that each of those Mm -hmm. aspects kind of informs the other. I think I'm a better therapist because I teach. I think I'm a better teacher because I do therapy. You know, those things are all kind of inform each other.
0: Yeah. So it really came about just from that. You mentioned childhood stuff. Of just feeling small.
1: For sure. For sure. So I have yeah. moments, like somebody recently told me a story about being at Costco and filling up their car with gas. And she started ch- chatting with the guy at the next pump. And that guy was just going through a breakup. And she says to this guy, it's like nine o'clock on some random Tuesday night. He's like, oh, you should read this book called Loving Bravely. And so I just, like, the little girl in me does total summer calls <laughs> when she hears stories like that because,
0: you
1: know, <laughs> you know, people that I don't otherwise know, this man at you know, the Costco mm-hmm. gas station I'll never meet is now, you know, potentially going to read this book. And uh, yeah so it's just very, there's a way that it's just so very, like, healing to me.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I, I kind of want to highlight that because, I mean, it in a way... It's like your own, your own healing, Mm
1: -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. yet you're healing so many other people at the same time, which is amazing.
1: Mm Yep. Yep.
0: Yeah. I I love it. And
1: I, I'm also just really nerdy. Like I love just more (laughs) information. I love putting in, I love synthesizing Uh information. So in that way, it's like never, ever, ever done, right? Like now I have to go get Robert's book and now, you know, like Uh, there's
0: always more. Okay. On that, on that, because I had this, I almost got in a fight with one of my clients on this and we were talking about, oh man, he was, he was really giving me some pushback about like the work I was saying, the work's never done where all there's always the next level of your life. You're always going to evolve. They're always going to grow. You always have more to learn. And he was almost, and I've, I've actually ran into this a few times, but we were really getting into it. And he was like, well, You know, uh, so like you can never fully be healed. Like, I mean, I was like, what are you trying to even say? Are you getting to the space where it's like nothing's going to trigger me and I'm just in nirvana and bliss all the time? Like, I don't, it's not even realistic. And I guess what would you say to that? To somebody who's in this space of like, I think that the, I think the healing, the work, learning never really stops. But as somebody who's like, well, I, I can be healed and I can actually overcome this. Um And what would you what would you say on that?
1: Yeah, I really I mean, I have a lot of empathy for that, um, for that, like not because I think we are so used to linear thinking um, that yeah. if we do a we're going to get B. And, and if A, it's really mm-hmm. fucking hard, like his work with you, I'm sure is really confronting. I'm sure it's on his schedule. It's not in yep. his stomach. And like, here comes Kevin again, like all over my ass you know, <laughs> you know? um, yeah. And so I'm sure that there's a part of him that is just like, if like, I'm, but I'm doing it and I want to be able to check it off of the list. And so. Um, there's like, there's like a paradigm there of like, if A then B, it's very linear. It actually has kind of a masculine quality, Mm -hmm. right. Of like linearity and outcomes. Um, and so the image that I maybe would want to invite him into is like a spiral staircase that he will cycle back to this stuff. But what's so beautiful is when he cycles back, he will cycle back with only 75% of himself triggered rather than a year ago, a hundred percent. And then he cycles back and now only 50% is triggered. So it just becomes like Mm -hmm. a spiral upwards. And then what we, the side effect of that spiraling is what we are gifted is just so much humility and so much compassion for the people around us. Like, because Mm -hmm. like, that's what you, I think that's what we get from this work is just kindness, right? Because then he, then he moves to the world and as he becomes gentler with his pain then he's gentler with everybody else's pain which doesn't mean he's a doormat but it just he can he can really hold so much more love for just how hard it is to be human you know
0: i think that you hit on something amazing like the more compassion you can have for yourself then that's when you're kinder to the world
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: and and everything around us
1: Mm Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And it's, it really does come back to that self-reflection like you were talking about.
1: Right, 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 right. And that he, so it's like there is that, um, so the, sh- the shattering I think is the shattering of um, the, the, a linear notion of how the world mm-hmm. works. Because it is, I think yeah, the, there's like, a the medical of, model, right? Yeah. The medical model is you have symptoms and you fix, you fix symptoms. So it makes <laughs> yeah. sense that we bring a medical model into this emotional work. It just doesn't. It just doesn't hold up. There's
0: no. It doesn't translate. No, but I mean, because we're dealing with your heart and your spirit, which you know, that just getting into a little bit of spiritual stuff. Like your heart is here to grow and expand and express itself. Mm-hmm. uh And part of that growth, like if the growth stops because you quote unquote made it, like what's the point? <laughs>
1: right, right, right. And then, well, the other the other variable we can never control for is time. So whatever he, whatever you figured mm-hmm. out is a whatever thirty five year old, for example. He's going to wake up as a Mm -hmm. 45 year old and it's going to be a different, like just the nature of human development presents a different set Mm -hmm. of challenges. So there's no, there can't be doneness because he's evolving and what it means to, to have been, to be 45 is different than 35. And so there's a whole then like set of questions, you know, that he'll bring, he gets to bring more nuance and compassion and humility to the 45 year old questions. but. At 35, mm-hmm. he can't ask the 45-year-old question, so he simply can't be done.
0: Right. That's mm-hmm. so true. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, I know we could keep chatting for quite some time. Uh, I do have one last question. Um, but before we dive into that, where can people find out more about your, you and what you're doing and your book?
1: Yeah. Well, an easy place is the website, com.
0: Awesome. So you guys go check it out. And then one last parting question. What is your definition of love?
1: Mm, mm, mm. My definition of love is one that I um, read. So there's a book by Bell Hooks called All About Love that is Mm -hmm. divine. And in that book, she Mm -hmm. shares um, a definition of love that she got from M. Scott Peck, who is like one of the like old school founding fathers of the whole like self-help movement from like the 70s. And, and that definition of love is a commitment to the spiritual unfolding of another person. And Mm. I love that one. And spiritual doesn't have to be anything about God or one, just sort of like this, just a commitment to kind of showing up again and again as somebody else is unfolding, not controlling their unfolding, not judging their unfolding, (laughs) but just showing up for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's love. I love that so much. (laughs) What's yours? What's your definition of love? my my definition my definition is truth to to seek your truth to figure out what that means to know somebody else's truth and to walk it mm. in the full embodiment of what it really means to be you and holding up somebody else in that same light to help to seek them and give them that reflection back of their own truth to where they just walk it and they evolve past all of the hurts and the trauma and the, all the other things beautiful
1: beautiful mm-hmm. i love truth that's
0: great yes well thank you so much for being on the show um I, this has been an amazing conversation so everybody go check out her book when does it come out by the way out. out oh
1: yeah it's out Ooh, mm-hmm. it's
0: out so you guys go check it out i'm sure it's at, at you said barnes, noble, barnes right? noble
1: amazon your local indie bookseller for sure all the all the places <laughs>
0: Perfect. Well, thank you again so much for this conversation. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show and I look forward to talking more soon. Take care. Thank you for tuning in and also make sure you tune in with all of her stuff. Get her book, follow her on social media. As you guys can tell, she's got such a wisdom about her and that was an amazing like this new format i would love to hear from you guys dm me on instagram text me if you have my number subscribe to the podcast give it a rating tell your mama whatever you gotta do Um, and i would love to continue this new series on love and relationships if you have anybody who you would love that's a dope human a dope soul that you would love to have on the podcast you would love to see us collaborate reach out as well also if you're in la on the 22nd, I'm having a full day workshop, Unlock Love, 12 hours. We're going deep, and I'm really excited for that happening soon. So get tickets, it's in the link in my bio at The Heart Guy. Thank you again so much for tuning in to The Heartbeat. Continue to listen to your heartbeat, as it'll always guide the way.